Do you feel the chains falling? In the presence of the king? Addictions are being broken right now in the presence of the king. Powers and principalities are coming down by the name of Jesus in the presence of the king. Trials are being overcome right now in the presence of the king. Storms are being calmed right now in the presence of the king. Yeah. Why don't you take 30 seconds and give him some Pentecostal, apostolic praise and worship in the house because you're free. Whom the sun set free is free indeed. Every chain is broken. Every chain is broken. You're free. You're free tonight in the name of Jesus. In your presence, there is freedom. Hallelujah. I am free in you. In your presence, there is freedom. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. In your presence. In your presence, there is freedom. Hallelujah. I am free in you. In your presence. There is no bondage. Every chain There is no bondage. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus, our hearts are open. No guilt, no shame. Somebody stretch your hand toward this young man right now. Right now, by the authority of the name of Jesus, the darkness and the enemy that has tried to attack this young man, Lord, I pray a hedge, a protection about him. Lord, that every bondage and every curse and every power and every principality that's come against him would be broken right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, loose your Holy Ghost on him right now like never before. Loose your anointing on him like never before. Loose it on him right now. No weapon formed against you, young man. No weapon formed against you, young man. Every curse is broken. Every curse is broken. Every curse be broken.
Every curse be broken. Every curse be broken. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. If you faced a trial this week, I just want you to lift your hands. If you faced a trial, you faced something you weren't expecting this week. God, by the authority of the name of Jesus for every hand and family represented here, God, I pray against darkness. I pray against the powers and principalities that have wrestled these families in this church. God, and I right now I declare in the name of Jesus that you would loose miracles, that you would loose financial blessings, that you would release healings on them, that you would push when they the enemies that have fought them at work, they thought they were going to lose their job. God, you turn those situations around for them right now. They were worried that they weren't going to have a job this week, but you're going to give them a raise this week. Right here and now, Lord. Right here and now, Lord. Every curse and every chain. Yes, 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 yes. If you receive it, let's just give him some praise here with your hands, with your voices. We lift you up, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I do feel like we need to move on with the service here. God, have your way. God, have your way. How many do believe and understand that God is moving here tonight? 
But we do believe that God is working. And I do believe and understand this, that God's not done yet. He's not finished yet. You may be seated. Thank you so much for allowing us to be with you all this weekend. Once again, I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Like I said, my kids don't want to go home. They want to stay here with Mr. T in Paris and swim in the pool. But I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight. And I'm going to, I was researching and, and working on this and I started to wonder how do F-16 fighter jets cause missiles to miss them? Because a missile is quite faster than a jet. So just going full throttle and just going as fast as you can in a jet isn't going to work. You won't be able to get away from it. So in the early days, a really fast jet could go and even shoot straight up towards the sun. And if the sun was hot enough, the missiles would actually go towards the sun. But we've gotten smarter with our technology, and that doesn't quite work. So in modern day, if a missile is still running on its motor, there is no longer a viable option. You can't just necessarily outmaneuver a missile because missiles are going at speeds of close to Mach 4 and Mach 5. So they have evasive maneuvering they can try to do when a missile is approaching the aircraft. But a lot of times the problem is the missiles are coming so fast they don't know it in time to use evasive maneuvering all the time. There's also, they use flares, which, you know, it's, it's something you'd see in an emergency kit almost. You shoot in the air, but it's super, super hot. And that only works on heat-seeking missiles. And then they have this other part that looks like confetti that shoots out the back of a jet that is full of plastic and metal and all different sizes and lengths. And what it does is they shoot that and then the jet tries to move and they want to keep that missile focused on what just was shot out of the jet. And lastly now we have electronic countermeasures which they actually jam now the radars in the missiles. And there was a, in Desert Storm, there was a major E.T. Tulia. And he cheated death on that one time, not one time, not two times, not three times, but in one mi mission, he cheated death six times. He was able to outmaneuver, outsmart, outmove, out everything he could do to a surface-to-air missile six different times. He said it was going so fast, and he was banking so hard. And I wish I could play the, the clip for you. I was watching in a little clip on YouTube, and he was banking so hard. You could, his breathing was so heavy that he literally lost his vision temporarily, and he was going, turning so fast. Sometimes in life, we feel like we have missiles shot at us, don't we? And I'm going to go from the passage of Scripture here, and I'm going to help us. So I'm going to believe I'm going to help us because it helped me as I was preparing for this weekend. I believe it's going to help you. But I'm here to tell you, though, 
that every missile that hell shot, hell has missed. Every missile, every attack that the enemy has done against you has not succeeded. Because why? You and I are still here. You and I are still in the building. You and I are still, you're still standing. Eddie, I know I didn't ask you this earlier, but can you help me on the acoustic guitar? I'm just, you're going to have to pretend like that acoustic guitar is a harp here in a minute, okay? Is that you're going to help me? I mean, just, just tune it up. I mean, it doesn't have to be any, any song, just not Metallica, but any song. I think before Jesus, you were a heavy metal guy, I guess. I can tell. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. No? Were you a country boy? Okay, we won't go any farther. Jesus metal. That's what, yes. 1 Samuel 19 and 8, if you have your Bibles. We're going to go 19, 8 through 12. And there was a war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines. Give me one second on that guitar. One second. I know he's tuning up. Maybe, Jacob, you can turn him down while he tunes up. He doesn't want to embarrass. He wants to make sure it sounds really good here in a second. And slew them. So, and fought with the Philistines. And David slew them with a great slaughter. And they fled from him. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand. And David played with his, with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence and he smote the javelin into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, told him, If thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. So if you, basically, if you don't get out of here now, Joker, you're going to be dead in the morning. So Michael, Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. I, I love stories of King David and love this stuff. But before David was king... It's an incredible story I want to share with you. I need to put it, maybe help you in, in a little bit of context here. David is the most famous king of Israel. But before David, there was one other king, King Saul, the first king. Now, the reason of why the people of God ended up with a king in the first place is because they complained. And they griped. Because all the other nations had kings. So they went to the prophet and they said, we want a king. And the prophet says, well, you don't need a king. We have Jehovah. They said, yeah, but we can't touch Jehovah. And we can't complain to Jehovah. And we can't see him come down the street. So we want a king. We want what everybody else has. The moment you want what everybody else has is the moment you start going down the slippery slope. We don't have to imitate the world. Are you with me? We don't have to imitate the world. Not everything the world does is worthy to be imitated by the church. As a matter of fact, we're not supposed to follow the world because I remember a scripture that says we're the head and not the tail. That we should be leading culture, not following culture. We should be, uh, we should be telling culture where to go, not following culture down a path that God doesn't want us to go down. But that, that's, another, that's, another, that's another message, but we're not going to go there. So Samuel, he pleased the people. He said, okay, let's get a king. 
So they appointed this tall, handsome. I mean, he probably looked like Brother Abbott did back in the day, you know. Jet black hair. Did you have jet black hair, Brother Abbott? No? Brown? But, I mean, who wouldn't? Six, seven? Big muscles? Now you all know why Sister Abbott caught him. But Saul was a big, strong. He, he looked like he was everything on the outside that you would want. GQ. He was everything. So that he said, all right, we'll give you a king. So God said, against everything I want to do, I reluctantly give you a king. But that's what you want. So Saul comes along and Saul gets in trouble. He has a little arrogance problem. See, he disobeyed God. When you're not willing to do the will of God or walk in the word of God, you open your life to evil spirits. The Bible says because he disobeyed God's will and did not adhere to God's word, they, he permitted the spirits to torture him. Now, the wording's kind of critical. Don't get confused here. God didn't create an evil spirit, but God did not stop the evil spirit. An evil spirit from the Lord, that phrase sounds like a contradiction, but understand that the judgment of God is not when he spanks you or whoops you or, or, or gives you a bump on the head. No, the judgment is when God stops protecting you. <laughs> I want God to whoop me. I want God to correct me. I want God's steady hand of guidance. But please don't stop protecting me. <laughs> so he disobeyed, he disobeyed. So this is when we get to 1 Samuel 19. This is not the first time that Saul disobeyed God, okay? This is the, many times. He's kind of wore out his welcome here. So then Saul sent his troops to watch David's house. They're going to kill him. But Michael says, hey, hey, hey. You better get out of here or you're going to be dead in the morning. So how do we get into this situation where David is trying to escape out of a window? Saul is king now. Saul disobeys God. So God says, all right, you're doing it again? He goes, you're doing it again? I'm done with this. Crazy, sad, tragic, horrible. One of the saddest verses is this. And God took his, away his spirit from Saul. Imagine living a life without the Spirit. Imagine living a life without the Holy Ghost. Imagine what this earth will be like when, it's, when we're gone, the church is gone, and the Spirit is gone, and we're raptured out of this place. I don't want to know what the earth is going to be like at that point. Why do you think David, when he got caught in his mess, what did he say? He said, Lord, please take everything away from me, but take not your Holy Spirit from me. Because David had a firsthand experience of what a life was like without the Holy Ghost. David said, take my money, take my mansions, take my cars, take my chariots, but please, God, don't take your spirit away from me. Some of us need to get to a place where we don't take the Holy Ghost for granted anymore. And we say, God, take my houses and take my cars, but don't don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. So Saul's being tormented by the spirits. I'm trying to catch you up. You know, it's like one of those TV shows where the first 30 seconds they're catching you up from the last two episodes you missed. I'm trying to, zzz, I'm trying to fast forward you into this. 
So victory is for those who are willing to walk in the will of the Lord and do the word of the Lord. Saul's being tormented. He says, the demons are tormenting me. Give me David again. Give me David. Give me Eddie. Give me Eddie. And, and so back in the day, the first time this happened, it said the spirits would, would leave. The tormented spirits would leave as David praised. He said, I'm being tormented. Give me David. Psalm 71, 22 says, I will praise you with music on my harp. I want you to hear this. First Samuel 16, 23, and then that's what happened. David began to praise him on the harp, and the demons would flee. Psalm 71, 22 says, playing the harp. David wrote this, I will praise you with my harp, and the demons would flee. Let me remind you, David would praise, and demons would flee. David would praise, demons would flee. David would praise, demons would flee. David would praise, demons would flee. Your praise is a weapon and demons will flee. Your praise is a weapon and demons will flee. Your praise is a weapon and demons will flee. I think we lift up your voice, sing for joy, shout with a voice of triumph because David would praise and demons would flee. David would praise and demons would flee. Your praise is a weapon. Your praise is dangerous. Your praise is just not some exercise in futility. Your praise is not an outcome of some emotional exuberance. Your praise is not some sort of action that is based on some sort of effective emotion that you have or some hysteria. It's not being in a crowd and some hysteria going and you begin to scream and cheer like a baseball game or a football game. Because let me tell you, you can praise him in your closet. You can praise him in your car. You can praise him in the back of this church. And you can praise him on this platform. You can praise him at your office tomorrow. And the same praise that you have right here is a weapon at work tomorrow. Your praise is a weapon. David would praise, demons would flee. You will praise and demons will flee. You will praise and enemies will be gone. You will praise and demons would flee. I just wish I was in a Pentecostal church with some praisers this night that would say, when I praise, my demons will flee. (laughs) Your praise is literally a weapon. It's not what I'm saying, it's what the Bible says. What if I tell you your praise is more powerful than David's praise? David lived under the law of Moses. He lived under the Ten Commandments. God gave Moses on the mountain. But we're under what? We're under the dispensation of grace. We live under the what happened on the cross that Jesus Christ did. What does that mean? David was never washed by the blood of the Lamb. David was never washed by the blood of Jesus. David was never baptized in the name of Jesus in a watery grave. David was never filled with the same spirit that Jesus Christ had as he performed miracles. So if David would praise and demons would flee, when you and I praise, 500 demons will flee. When you praise, demons will flee. When you lift up your voice, demons will flee. Ha! 
don't know like I know what he's done for me. You don't know like I know. When we praise, the spirits will flee. Spirits that tormented will flee. When you praise, believe it or not, the spirit of suicide will flee. I just read this week, a 10-year-old girl in our state committed suicide. We need a church that praises like we've never praised before. Why? Because there are lives that depend on it. Remember I preached this morning about different spiritual atmospheres. When you fly into cities, we can't let California be overrun by demons. We can't let California be overrun by darkness. There ought to be a church, a blood-bought, sanctified church that says, as I praise him, demons will flee. As I praise him, demons will flee. Because we're going to have a light that shines so bright that it attracts everything and everyone. Come on, somebody, give him praise tonight. Praise until depression leaves. Praise until anxiety flees. Praise until addiction falls off of you. Your praise, your praise, your praise is a weapon. John 4, 24, we are called to worship in spirit and in truth. I'm not knocking no other church, but no other church has the revelation of the name of Jesus' baptism. There is power in the name of Jesus' baptism. Nowhere in the Bible did they cast out demons in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. No other, nowhere in the Bible do they say, lame man, get up and walk in the name of the Son. No, everywhere you look in the book of Acts, baby, it said in the name of Jesus. So we worship him not just in spirit, but we have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. He is not just the Son, he is not the Father, and he is not just the Spirit, but he is all three in one. So you can worship better than the Trinitarian because you got a revelation. Okay, well, I gotta, we're never going to get out of here tonight. Psalms 22.3, God inhabits the praises of his people. Your praise is for someone else. 1 Samuel 16.23, David played the harp. He played that guitar, and the demons fled. Remember, I told you that. But it wasn't David's issues that were dealt with. <laughs> it was Saul's issues. It was somebody else's. Somebody around David was bound. But as David began to praise him, the people around him were set free. Your praise isn't just for you. Your praise is for the person next to you that came in struggling with depression that you don't even know about. You don't know somebody came in with marriage problems thinking about leaving their spouse tomorrow. But your praise around them will begin to set them free. Your praise wasn't just for you. It's for everybody that's around you. Look, and I don't see David. 
I don't see David writing a song about Saul's an idiot and he disobeyed. Saul's a dummy and he disobeyed. No, it, I don't see him judging Saul. I don't see him writing about Saul. No, it was very simple as he didn't judge Saul. His job was not to judge that problem. His job was to praise God on the harp. And as he praised God, God dealt with the demons. So you don't need to worry about everybody around you. You just need to focus on your praise. You got a spouse that doesn't live for God? Don't go home and tell him or tell her how dumb she is and tell her that she's going to go to hell. No, you go home and when they sleep, you just silently dance around that bedroom. You got a child that's a drug addict? Don't go home and put him down. When he goes to bed, you go in that room and you silently give God some praise because as you praise in that room, chains will begin to fall. Chains will begin to come off of them. <laughs> Victory is for those who know that praise is a weapon. But on this occasion, it's a little different. 1 Samuel 16, 23, he praised him. And the spirit would chase off the demons, right? Here we come to 1 Samuel 19 now, same anointing, same demon, no result. You're like, brother, you just got us hyped up about prayer. No, I wasn't. That's the truth. But sometimes God has to come in and move you out of your comfort zone because he has a different, a new anointing for you. See, if it was up to David, I believe he would have been content to just play that harp for Saul. But God said, no, I didn't call you just to play the guitar. I called you to be a king. <laughs> I don't think David felt very comfortable climbing out that window knowing that the king was coming to kill him. You know why you don't feel very comfortable where you're at at your current job? Because God's about to shift you out of that job into something else because he has something better for you. That decree you've been saying for the last two or three years is just not some words you say in a church service. You are declaring something in the spiritual realm that God wants to release in your life. There are people that you've been hanging out with that God doesn't want you to hang out with anymore because they are out of the will of God. There are people, there are friends that I used to love, Pastor Mickey, friends that I used to, that I used to hang with in church friends that I don't hang with anymore. And it broke my heart when they don't serve God anymore. And they went to, some of them are now preaching a Trinitarian message. And it was hard for me to walk away from them. But I didn't have a choice because God made it so uncomfortable for me that I couldn't be with them anymore. So when you get uncomfortable around certain people, it's because God's trying to move you out of somewhere you're not supposed to be. And... And he's trying to make a way for you to escape because he's trying to save your soul. So you ought to not praise, you ought to not get discouraged when you're in the middle of the storm, but you ought to praise him because God is utterly saving you from a pit of hell. 
It didn't work. Oh, so every anointing has an assignment. And you have a calling. And David and Saul were on the same path. But Saul made some wrong decisions. And they had to part ways. They had to go different directions. When the key doesn't open anymore, it's time to get a new door. That, that environment is not right for you. Those people are bringing you down. If all they do is talk about everybody in the church, that means, that means God is trying to shut the door so quickly that you need to run. I am Michael, and I'm saying this. Get out of that situation. Get out of that situation. God's saying, I'm tired of you, David, catering to Saul. He goes, I want you to be king. I'm tired of you being buddy-buddy with Saul. I want you to be king. So your anointing and your environment have to line up. When your anointing and, and your environment line up and happening, that means God's trying to move you from that person that's dragging you down or that situation. You have friends they're heading the wrong way. God's trying to protect you. See, listen here. God pivoted David. The victory is those who know that sometimes God is going to pivot you when you're not ready. See, all of a sudden, I don't have a javelin, I don't have his spear. You're David, and this is a spear. Eddie didn't know what he's getting into. So Saul picked up this spear. Saul was a warrior. He was strong. Saul killed his hundreds, and David killed his thousands. So David was a better warrior, and Saul was very jealous of that. David had a hundred followers on Instagram, and or a thousand followers on Instagram. Saul only had a hundred and it made him very upset. He wanted to take him out. <laughs> There's a spear. He picks it up and, and David is just playing. He's worshiping. And Saul picks up that spear and he's so upset because the spirits aren't leaving him. And he's still being tormented. And David's over there. I just believe he's in the presence of God, just singing and playing. And when you're in the presence of God and you have an anointing and you have a calling and you have a purpose, which every one of you do, when the enemy picks up that spear and throws it at you, you are not going to be hit because God pivoted David. God moved him. I got a question for you. How many times has the enemy and hell thrown a spear at you, but it has missed? Not because you're so smart, not because you're so intelligent, not because you're so agile, because God came in and literally pivoted you just at the right moment. You lost your job just when you thought... It and it was the best thing that ever happened to you. Some friends walked away from you, and it hurt you, and God just pivoted you at that moment, and that spear went flying by you, but you're saved today because God, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Even when you didn't deserve it, he pivoted you. Even when you were doing the wrong thing, he pivoted you. Even when you were at the bar, he pivoted you. Even when you were smoking crack, he pivoted you. 
that spear was thrown with so much strength, it didn't land. It went into the wall. Hell has thrown so many spears at you, and they have not hit you, but they have gone by you, and they've went into the wall. That is what God has protected you from. That is why I praise him the way I praise him, because he has, there are so many spears and so many walls with Mark Waddle's name on it that I can never praise him enough for saving me, for protecting me, for keeping his hand on me, for watching over me, for keeping my family safe, for keeping me safe on the road for keeping me healthy. God, I, I, this is why I praise him the way I do, because hell missed. Somebody tell your neighbor, hell missed. Somebody say, hell missed. You're still standing. You're still praising. You're still worshiping. You're still surviving. You're still victorious. You're still a conqueror, because hell missed. Praise him because hell missed. Praise him because hell missed. Praise him because you're still here. So many spears got Eddie's name on it, Mickey's name on it, Mark on it, Brother Abbott on it. It's got your name on it. It's got your name on it. It's got your name on it. But God turned you. 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 And now you're free. And now you're free. And now you're free. And now you're free. And now you're healed. And now you're healed. And now you're healed. Why? Because hell missed. Death missed, darkness missed, addiction missed, suicide missed, alcohol missed, drugs missed, it missed, it missed, it missed. We're here because it missed. You didn't dodge it. God turned you. It missed, sis. It's okay. It missed. Give him praise. It's all right. I'm not going to stop her praise because I don't know how many spears missed her and missed her family. I think some of us ought to join her. Matt, come here, Matt. Do you work out today? But you work out, right? Oh, good. This won't hurt you too much. Get up here. This is like David 2.0. We got David 1. We got David 2.0 right here. Alex, will you help me over here on this side? You get to be Saul, okay? I know this is like a really heavy spear, so don't throw it too hard. Well, maybe throw it hard. I don't know. 
See, the majority of the time you wish you were cognizant of the times the enemy launches a spear. You wish you knew every time. But sometimes, and most of the time, we're not even aware. Just like the fighter jet, when the missiles are coming, they don't know it until it's, it's too late for them. They, they don't see them until it's too late. We talked about that at the beginning. You weren't even looking that way. You weren't even privy to the fact that the spears were being launched. And the reason you escaped is not because of you or your ability or your wherewithal or your brilliance or how good you are at dodging a bullet. The reason, I'm going to push you in a minute, so get ready. The reason you escaped is because when the spear was launched your way, the Bible says he goes before you, behind you, and all around you. <laughs> not only does he go before you, not only does he have his back, but goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. So when the enemy threw that spear to kill you and kill your dream and kill your purpose, by the way, the devil doesn't come to play patty cake or huff and puff and blow your house down. My Bible says that he comes to rob, kill, and destroy. He doesn't come to placate. He doesn't come just to get along with you, but he wants to destroy you and your very essence of you. That's what he wants to do. So, But Jesus came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. So when he launches the spear, this is what you felt in your life. You didn't even know what it was. You were just going through your life and the spear was launched and this happens. And your life gets turned upside down and your life gets all messed up. And so he, and you go, go back and your life is going good again and you're just living for God doing your thing. And here comes a big spear and this is what happens. The Lord comes in and shoves you and you're like, what is going on? What is happening to me? What am I doing wrong? What am I, what, why am I going through this situation? You're going through what you're going through because God is pushing you out of the way of all the spears that the enemy has shot towards you. So don't fight it when he pushes you. Don't get angry with God when he pushes you, but let it, thank you Jesus for saving me. Thank you Lord for keeping your hand on me. But we want to fight it. And God is literally saving us. All of a sudden. It was all of a sudden. All of a sudden your world gets turned upside down. And God's just protecting you. He's just keeping his hand on you. But in our human minds, we don't get it. It's okay. I'm here to help us and help me. Because I've lost my job and not known in two weeks what I was going to do. I've been there. You know what, Pastor? I had, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I started evangelizing. The economy crashed. In 2008. Everybody remember those good days? Economy crashed. There's nothing that we could do. The church couldn't afford to keep me on. It just wouldn't, it wasn't, we couldn't do it. So in two weeks notice, I just told, we had camp meeting. I told a few guys, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. The church just can't afford to keep me on right now. I got to i got to figure, I don't know, I'm just going to figure it out. On a two-week notice, I started evangelizing Pastor Grogan. And I went over a year without 
ever missing preaching on a Sunday for over a year. Over a year. I preached on Christmas. I preached on Mother's Day. I preached on Father's Day. I preached for... I had no idea what I was doing. God, literally, I would have never have left that church because I just loved that church. I loved... Who wouldn't want to live in Orange County? And when life was good, I mean, life was good. Saints in the church would bless me. And I, I mean, I had Disney, I had Disney pass. People in the church just gave me a Disney. I'm not lying. I'm telling my wife and my, the current youth pastor that's there right now is like, I never get a Disney pass. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I said, well, I got Kobe jersey signed. LeBron James, I mean, I don't know, God just, I said, I'm sorry, God blesses me in that way. <laughs> but you realize, I didn't know if I was going to pack my bags and move back to Minnesota. Two weeks, Pastor. I've been there when God just, and you know what, in that year, God just totally shifted my ministry. Not... In turmoil, you talk about praying every week, praying every day. God, I don't know where I'm going to preach next week. Jesus, let someone call me. God, please let someone call me. But the economy's bad, God. I don't know what I'm going to do. People can't have guest preachers because they don't, no, no churches have any funds right now. It's just, I'm still standing. I'm still here. Stand with me. Jeremiah 119, the enemy will fight you, but they will fail. For I am with you. I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Can you lift up your hands? The enemy will fight you, but I promise you they will fail. For I am with you. I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Let the word of God be released in the house. I am believing in the name of Jesus that every spear from the enemy, every attempt of the enemy to take you out and to kill you or kill your dream or kill your destiny or to take out your integrity or to quench your holiness, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. God, and I release it right now that they will fail for you are with us and you will take care of us and that your hand is upon us. I am believing right now that every, not just some, but everything the enemy throws at this church and each family in this church, that it will miss and it will be stuck in a wall somewhere and we will look back and say, thank you, God, for pivoting us. Thank you, God, for shifting us. Thank you, God, for moving us. Thank you for getting me out of the way. Thank you for getting me out of the way. Thank you, God, for saving me again. Thank you, Lord, so much. Look, look, look. A window is not a door. Musicians, come, come, come. But a window is not a door. A window is made to be looked out of, not gone through. 
But I want to tell you, God will use unconventional ways to save you when he has to. He will, he will make a way where there seems like there's no way. He didn't, he, David couldn't use the door, but somehow, some way, God got him out of a window. God will take the very thing that you think is insequential and doesn't matter, and he will use it to save your life. God doesn't need a door. God doesn't need a bridge. God doesn't need an airplane. When God says you're coming through, he will split the Red Sea for you and you will walk through on dry ground. You will come through. You will be healed. You will be saved. You will be whole because you have an anointing and you have a purpose and you have a calling and you are not finished. So he climbs out the window and he runs to his spiritual dad. He runs to his pastor and he goes, oh, hide me. Saul's coming to kill me. You know what that pastor does? Samuel's actually a prophet. He doesn't hide him. He just begins to prophesy over him. He begins to speak to his destiny. And now you're, you're not done, David. You're called to be a king. Nothing's going to happen to you because you, have a, you are called to be the king of Israel. So not, he doesn't speak. He doesn't speak to his situation. He doesn't go hide him in some closet. He speaks to his destiny, and his destiny begins to rise up. God's not here to speak to your drama, and God's not here to deal with what's been haunting you. He is speaking into your future and what he's called you to do, and your future is going to rise up right now tonight and be greater than your situation that you're in. Look, 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 look. Then Saul, okay, Saul, sees on his Instagram story, oh, David's with Samuel. They're hanging out. He's gonna, he sends his soldiers, go kill David. So they begin marching, kill David, kill David. Kill David, kill David, kill David, kill David, kill David. One mission, kill David, kill David, kill David. And as they get there and they get close to where David is, all of a sudden they start beginning to prophesy, bless the son of David, King David, bless him, keep his hand upon him, protect him. They begin to prophesy over David at that very moment. They begin to prophesy over him. And so Saul gets all mad. He sends another group of soldiers. They're on their way there. The same thing happens. They were, I'm going to kill David, kill David, kill David. And they get close. They begin to say, he's the king. David's the king. David's the king. We can't. We can't hurt him. We love him. We bless him. Saul gets so angry. Listen to this. He gets himself and he sends himself to, I'm going to go take David out. I can't leave it in the hands of my enemies. And so he goes down there and on his way there, the Holy Ghost hits him and he begins to start prophesying over David. The very thing that you thought was coming to kill you, God is going to turn it around right now and it's going to begin to prophesy over you. It's going to speak over you and it's going to bless you. When your anointing matches your assignment, your adversaries will work in your favor. Listen, you need to tell your problems. If you get close to me, you're going to bless me. If you get too close to me, you're going to prophesy over me. If you get too close to me, you're going to love me. If you get too close to me, you're going to bless me. If you get too close to me, you're going to live in the overflow. You don't have anything to be afraid of because he brought you out of that window and he's going to bring you into your future. His hand is upon you. Right now, throw your hands in the air. And I want you to begin to praise him like you've never praised him.
It's releasing right now. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even, Even when, when I don't feel it, you're working. You, you never stop. stop. You never stop working. He never stops. Even when he's working, he's working, he's working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Even when, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. He never stops, he never stops. For all those that you feel like you've been in a storm for the last month or two months, the last week, as a show to the enemy that he's not going to take you out and that you know you have an anointing and you got a calling and you got a purpose, as they sing again, I want you to lift your hands and I just want you to walk down here. And I want you to give God the best praise you've given him in 2019. I want you to give him the best praise you've given him all year long. Because you're still standing. You're still here. You're still here. Come on. I see it, you're working. Give him your best praise. Give him your best praise. Give him your best praise. It's your working, even when I don't feel it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. 
Come on, lay your hand on somebody. Pray with one another. Link up with somebody. Hallelujah. Come on, let's connect together. Let's agree together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lay your hand on them. Speak a word over them. Hallelujah. By the power and the authority that's in the name of Jesus. Come on, he's going to turn it around. He's turning it around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Come on, God's doing a work right now. Come on, don't, don't rush past this. There's a refreshing that's fixing to hit you. You're not facing this alone. You're not by yourself. There's a God. There's a God fighting for you. There's a God fighting for you. Hallelujah. Stop working. You never stop. You never, never stop, stop working. 